You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini here hosting a Southside Sox podcast. Once again, we're doing a little bit of time travel on this one. This is podcast number 34. We are going into the future because this one is running later in the week. I'm talking with Colleen Sullivan, the mistress of the Know Your Enemy articles (laughs) last year. And it looks like she's rolling out probably every one of them this year, although I think at some point she is going to just ask for a tag out and a break. I would not blame her after the 12th Royals preview that she says, okay, please, can we just run a blank page? Uh, I'm never not going to make fun of the Royals, <laughs> so I'm not giving those up. Okay, that's fair. I you will got... never pass up an opportunity to shit on the Royals. <laughs> Let's be clear about this. All right. Yes, that was the wrong team to bring up, I admit. Uh, but yes, uh, did a yeoman work, uh, last year with the mini season, I guess, because boy, some of those series previews came fast and furious. And I don't think you missed a one, Colleen. And, uh, this year proves to be maybe a little bit more normal pace, but boy, a bigger pile to get through. So, you know, again, you probably have a couple tag outs if you need them. Don't worry. Just put those in your back pocket. But at any rate, what we're talking about here is what Colleen has done on, Differently, not just series preview, although she has done an Angel series preview as well. This is a uh, entire league. What happened in the off season? Uh, general cracks about all of them. Maybe a couple compliments. Unlikely. You're going to have to dig real hard for those. Uh, but we're running those two articles, breaking them into two because hey, it's 29 other teams, uh, and that's a road to hoe. So uh, two different uh, pieces, and we're going to address those a little bit here, Colleen. 
First, let's talk about the only team that really matters, number one in our hearts and number one on your list, if you were actually two them, if they were enemies, and that's the White Sox. How are you feeling with opening down the show? Now, listen, we don't know yet about the 15 to nothing uh, open day drubbing that the White Sox dealt to, uh, to the Angels, uh, the Lucas Giolito complete game two hitter. We're just looking back at that now when this is running. So we don't know any of that's happening yet. But going into opening day, because we don't know what happened, um, how are you feeling about the team? You know what? I'm actually really optimistic about this team. Um, I know a lot of people had a major freak out about Eloy getting hurt, which can they, like, just wrap him in bubble wrap, give him one of those child <laughs> leashes and tether him to the wall and say, you can only work in this <laughs> subsection of area, and that is it. Um, but with, I mean, and I don't use spring training as a great metric on how many games I think teams are going to win just because it's spring training. Players are shuffling in and out. Pitchers are shuffling in and out. They're determining who's going to be on the roster, who's getting dropped down, all of that good stuff. Um, but collectively, I'm very optimistic about the team this year. We might actually get to see Andrew Vaughn. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Big maybe. Colleen, speaking of bubble wrap, <laughs> yeah, we might get to see him playing his first game past Little League in left field. Yeah, it wouldn't be the White Sox if we couldn't have that optimism just cut a little bit by the fact that a guy who has, well, anyway, he's, he's, he's done well. I guess, well, um, he hasn't done poorly in uh, two games out there so far. Uh, apparently he's listening to uh, when the manager and the general manager and the owner and the fans and social media says, please don't try to cover anything to your left. Luis wants to take all those fly balls anyway. Just stand still. I know it goes against a, a player. Andrew Vaughn seems to be like, okay. So I'm not really sure why Aloy keeps fighting this. And I certainly don't know why he is trying to steal away home run balls in spring training. I'm not sure if that really speaks to like competitive instinct as much as it speaks to something else, but my feeling about Eloy has or Eli, I never say his name. It's <laughs> always been he does not have good spatial awareness. He is not aware of the walls in the outfield. He is not aware of where he's standing in the outfield. I mean, and that is really evident when you watch him play, right? Like you can see he doesn't know where he is. He's not yeah. aware of how far away the wall is from him. Well, and, um, and, and, and Colleen, and, and when and, you're in an away, in an away he, game, that's understandable, right? Yeah. Like, on your home fucking field, man. Here's like, the problem. You have he's, to know where the wall is. He's doing it in a way that's not like, I mean, we've seen outfielders like think they're at the wall already. It's hilarious because they're like waving, you know, they're like doing synchronized yeah, swimming or something. That's the way that's like, okay, that's still silly. And people will laugh at that. But you're not, you don't have a concussion. Aloy has got this spatial awareness that is extremely, he's got like a, um, a, a CTA football player's uh, spatial awareness because he's, he kills the wall. He jumps into the net. He's laughing, but he's turning around in the net. He can't get out of the net. I mean, he's yeah. not messing around with his lack of, I guess, you know, awareness. And he is running into the wall confidently. Like he's the Kool-Aid man. And like, no, you're not going to burst through the wall. Just stick your arm out and stop a little bit. Um, his spatial awareness actually reminds me of my cat who has the idea that if he can't see my dog, then the dog can't see him. Um, which 
is not actually true. I, and, I, and, and leads to some scuffles. Um, and that's what, that's what his facial awareness reminds me of. It very much reminds me of the cat, of my cat saying like, you can't see me. I can't see, or I can't see you. You can't see me. Like, mm. And listen, obviously we're having this extended discussion because of the deep pain we're feeling not having Aloy, maybe for the whole season, or maybe the optimistic, uh, uh the prognosis is okay. Just maybe, maybe only misses two thirds of the season. Wonderful. So we're just obviously struggling to deal with that, but I will admit Colleen, I thought that the big baby was like a cute sort of hilarious nickname. I didn't think would be literally the way he plays the outfield. And, you know, silly yeah, me. I didn't realize. I didn't realize. Should have known better. Like a serious thing. I was yeah. like, oh, that's kind of a dumb nickname that baseball players give each other. Yeah, I didn't realize that actually came off of the scouting report. I, I thought it was like, you know, a childhood thing. You know, right. Uh, okay, well, Aloy aside, optimism abounds as, uh, as evidenced by the article earlier in the week, which had, I believe, 14 to 15 Southside Sox writers picking the White Sox for the playoffs and everybody giving them a pretty good win total. Nobody, nobody even, even really close to 500. That's, you know, that's optimistic and legit. Uh, so let's look at the rest of the league, all the other pathetic loser teams out there who are not going to finish ahead of the White Sox. There's a 29 of them. There's a lot to get to. So we're not going to hit all of them, but I'm going to set this one up on a tee for you and allow you to talk about the team second in your hearts and awfully confusing in years past, perhaps still so, but tell me a little about the New York Mets. So... Mets fans are now recovering from the Wilpon era, right? Because Steve Cohen came in, bought the team in November, and the fact a lot of people don't like when owners are fans of a team. I am not one of those people. I think it is important that an owner actually like the team, enjoy the team, watch the team, and not so much treat it as an investment. And just yeah. like, this is something that I have, you know, and you see it a lot with Rocky words, right? He hmm. was one before he became the, you know, before he took over the team from his terrible father, he was one who would sit in the stands, watch the team, all of that stuff. Um, so that's something I like about Steve Cohen. And he really came in through money in the air. Like he's Monty Burns and was like, I'm going to spend money on this team. I want my team to be good. So, you know, he brings in Francisco Lindor, he brings in Carrasco, and the Jared Porter stuff, and the Mickey Calloway stuff aside, um, he's given lip service to wanting to change the culture of their front office. It's one of those things that time's going to, time's going to really be the one that tells us how that goes, right? We don't know if there is an actual cultural shift going on in the Mets. I would like to be optimistic and hope that there is, but there's still that. Um, going into 2021, Syndergaard's going to be coming back off of his Tommy John surgery. So with a potential bullpen of Syndergaard, DeGrom, Marcus Stroman, Carlos Carrasco, Carrasco who is a little hurt right now, but right. he's not expected to be out for very long. Right. Um, they're looking at a really good quality bullpen. And I think the injection of Francisco Lindor into any team has nothing but good benefits. It is a shame that Cleveland let him go. It is. I'm not sad for the White Sox because I don't see him as often. (laughs) I'm very happy as a fan that they have him. Um, But I think just the injection of his energy and his positivity and his, the quality of play that he brings to the table is going 
to have a larger ripple effect on the rest of the Mets. And then they still have Pete Alonso, who his 2020, not all that great, but a lot of players saw that. And, you know, uh, J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil, like they have a really good core of players. And I think the Mets are going to be in a pretty decent spot to compete this year. I'm not expecting them to win the division. The NL East is a tough division. It's got the Braves. It's got Miami, who did phenomenal last year. Mm -hmm. Um, If the Nationals decide that they want to turn it around, back to the quality of 2019, the NL East is a very tough division, but I think the Mets are going to be coming to compete. I think we should see them at least probably second or third. Do you think, uh, obviously, uh, a swell of pride and excitement in the organization for trading for Francisco Lindor? Is there a step back if it turns out the Mets are not able to retain him? You make a deal like that with under the premise that you're at least going to go hard after keeping the guy out of free agency. And I know that's not just the team's control, but that probably will be a, a, obviously it's a letdown. Is it a significant letdown or do you say, Hey, the owner went for it. He came in, said he was going to improve the team. He did that maybe just for a season. So uh, no credit, not too much credit taken away. Uh, <laughs> one year contracts are tough. They are tough on the player and it makes, I think it gives the player a one foot in one foot out mentality when it comes to the team. Like, obviously these guys are competing at a very high level. They want to win, right? They're competitive. That's, that's just in their personality, but having a large one-year deal, I think that gives you a, a lower level of commitment to the team. I think it would work very well in Steve Cohen's favor if he's able to lock him up for a significant number of years. And I think it'll go, I think it'll go further to uh, healing the fan base, so to speak, after all of the (laughs) Fred and Jeff Wilpon nonsense. Um, And I think being able to get Lindor, I think is ultimately going to, Trump the drama that surrounded Trevor Bauer maybe going to the Mets and ending up on the Dodgers. Hey, listen, I really thought we might be able to get through this entire podcast without mentioning that guy's name. So let's just pretend um, you didn't yeah. utter those nasty words. Um, but listen, you got to like the fact that, you know, if you're a Mets fan, you got to like the fact that you can say, all right, well, hey, I'm, I'm competing with 29 other teams to retain this guy, but he's on your team. So if you play poorly, if culture's bad, well, okay, you blew it. And if maybe all things are equal, Maybe he stays with the team now. He knows who's obviously going to value him monetarily, and I'm sure in terms of uh, clubhouse leadership and so forth. So that's a pretty good cap seat to be in for a guy who is a prime prime talent. Oh, yeah. I, th- I I think they're going to be able to work out a deal. I'm I'm like ninety seven percent sure they're going to they're going to be able to work something out. Oh man, book it! That is getting <laughs> tweeted. Uh, okay, listen. Before we take a break, let's get to a couple teams that we have to get to. And you know, again, I've already given you before this program began. I I gave you a few passes, so you're welcome to use them. But we do have to acknowledge teams. I think that are are going into the season maybe as consensus uh, a favorite, strongest in their leagues. Let's start with the uh, Dodgers. I know it's boring, but listen, there's one clear team that seems to have the best balance and the best strength, top to bottom, yep. depth that makes p- people sick to their stomach, and it's the Los Angeles Dodgers to defend the champions. Yes. I mean, and the Dodgers, the Dodgers really 
built themselves up. I mean, between the drama that was around the Dodgers when the ownership was getting divorced and when Major League Baseball <laughs> told them, like, you don't get to have this team anymore. Going from that to Ugh. winning a World Series and have it not take 50 years is pretty good. Yeah. I will say, like, that's pretty amazing. And the Dodgers were really poised to become big contenders in the division. It took them a, it took them longer than you would expect to get a World Series at this yeah. point. But they're a fun team. I mean, they're a fun team to watch. It's a fun team to cheer for outside of, you know, big dumb asshole Trevor Bauer. Um, but they have Mookie Betts. Did it again! Uh, yeah. Everybody loves Mookie Betts. Yeah. Everybody loves Mookie Betts. Nobody, like, yeah. he's just one of those players. Everybody loves him. Yeah. Doesn't matter who you cheer for. Mookie Betts is a great player. And they have so much fun talent to watch that this isn't like, you know, when the Yankees were dominating, yeah. right? Everybody hated the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, they had, like, everyone likes their Jeter. Like, oh, he's good, you know. Right. And then they had A-Rod and they had all these other players that like people genuinely hated. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's like a collective swell behind the Dodgers. Like people are happy yeah. that they won and they're happy that they're doing well. Now, yeah. I'm sure that that is not true for um, everybody in the NL West whose teams are in mm-hmm. the NL West. Um, but I feel like collectively as a you know, baseball fan group, a lot of people are very happy for the Dodgers and for their success. Isn't it cute and quaint how the Dodgers fan base would say things like, oh, it's been since 1988 when we won a (laughs) World Series, as if, as if generations came and went, (sighs) pandemics came and went between their friggin' between rings. Come on. I can't fault them that much for that because I feel like the Cubs fans cornered the market on being whiny droughters. So. Yeah, and they had a legitimate one. It was like 600 years. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, other teams who are like, oh, we haven't won a championship since the 80s. Like, okay, whatever. I mean, if they're being Um, like ironic or if they're trying to mock us, okay, I'm not really sure that was the intent. No, and you know what? The Dodgers are like in terms of baseball history. The Dodgers are a good historic team. I I can't get mad about stuff like that with them. Like I I think I just like them too much. Like I like Dave Roberts. I think they're just mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, yeah. You got to be a hardcore San Francisco Giants fan, or maybe a team like the Padres have consistently just got crapped on by the Dodgers and their fan base to really sort of not be happy for them. And he said the win. I'm done with it. I don't need. I'm still happy to watch some of these guys, but. I'm done with them winning anymore. So they can, you know, they can finish in second or third any time now. I'm, I'm past that. But all right, let's flip to another league. And this is going to be an easier answer, I suppose, or at least a less happy answer. Because for some reason, everybody seems very enamored with the New York Yankees. And okay, I guess maybe by default, they're always in the mix. But uh, they seem to be a preseason pennant favorite. And uh, I imagine you might shoot a couple holes in that. Here's my feeling about the Yankees. Last year, they were supposed to do well. The year before that, they were supposed to do really well. <laughs> it's been this consistent, like, every... They're the Yankees. Every year since the beginning of time, going into the season, <laughs> oh, the Yankees are going to win the AL East. They're going to win the World Series. They're going to dominate. They're going to be so good. And then, like, turns out Aaron Judge has made a peanut brittle, and Gary Sanchez wasn't all that great, and Giancarlo Stanton didn't live up to expectations. And... And they have collectively one pitcher. Yeah, like, 
you know, I'm not, ex- I don't get excited about the Yankees. And it's from the, I mean, where I consider the Dodgers a good historic team. The Yankees are also a good historic team. <laughs> yeah. But the Yankees are the villains of baseball. And I think they enjoy that. I think their fans enjoy that. I think the team enjoys that. Like Steinbrenner made Johnny Damon cut his hair. You know, (laughs) I think the Yankees just enjoy kind of being the heel of baseball. Um, I don't think that they're going to win the AL East. I think if everybody stays healthy, yay. I think they'll still be in second place in 2021. But, you know, I don't don't think they're going to come in and dominate. Colleen, we agree. We do agree on that. And, you know, the more we're talking about this, see, the more I want to go back and be able to edit all my, my picks, uh, for our preseason <laughs> prediction. Now I've got, now in my head, I've got the White Sox, I got a hundred wins. So I guess I should have had this conversation with you before I embarrass myself about being the only one on the staff not to pick the White Sox for the playoffs. Okay. We're going to get to some other teams. We're going to get to a very intriguing question about divisions. Uh, after the break, we're going to take a really quick one uh, on the podcast, listen to a very important single message. And if you're watching us on video, gosh, congratulations, because you are one of a small group. But if you're watching on video, just take a real quick nap. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans. We're back. It's podcast. It's a travel time podcast. Southside Sox podcast number 34. If I'm counting correctly. Uh, we are talking with Colleen Sullivan, who is our Know Your Enemy writer. She did last year for us at Sports Illustrated as part of the Southside Hit Pen Collective, TM. Uh, and we uh, are going to be rolling out tons of Know Your Enemy content all season long. Every season, every series coming up, uh, even if it's a repeat team, we're going to have a preview for you. Laying out pitching matchups, laying out maybe trends with the team, laying out how badly the White Sox trashed uh, that team, you know, in the in the previous series or all season long. Uh, all sorts of good stuff that's going to make you psyched to watch the three, four game series that will be coming up. And that's going to be rolling out. In fact, I, I got news for you again, time travel. It's already rolled out. But uh, ah. let's jump into some more teams, but let's collectively talk about teams and give me your pick, Colleen, for the crappiest division in baseball. God. Um. <laughs> I mean, it's really got to be a central or a central, doesn't it? Well, yeah, the NL Central is like, I'm sorry to our fellow Southside Sox writers who are Brewers fans. Like, the NL Central is kind of garbage. But you know what? I'm going to pick the AL East, which is not going to be a popular response. Wow. For the simple fact that Tampa Bay dominated last year in the AL East, Toronto did surprisingly well in the AL East, and then Boston, who won the 2018 World Series the same year that Baltimore had 108 losses, tied for last place. And I think it's safe to say that that is a pretty crappy division. All right. Yeah. 
That's that. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. That's, All right. I feel like that's not going to be the that's not going to be the uh, popular choice, but we're going to say the AL East. And also because the Yankees suck and everybody hates them. Well, all right. Yes. I mean, if a ter- in terms of teams easiest to dislike, yeah, I think the AL East is definitely in the running. Yeah. I'm not really sure how the Central, who legitimately could have a team go 500 and come real close to winning the division, uh, can be, uh, anything but the obvious choice. And that's even compared to the AL Central, which is nothing to shout about. Although I do think the AL Central will be better this year. All right, let's talk about some other things. Hey, give me a team in the AL Central you want to talk about. I mean, I could always make fun of the Royals. We know that much. Um, Minnesota continues to bum me out. Um, I think they're going to go for the 20-year or 20-postseason streak of losses. Um, they had kind of a, I feel like the twins had kind of a weird off season. There wasn't a lot of like big, exciting signings. Like they re-signed Nelson Cruz. Um, they let some of their pitching walk away. I was very surprised that Jake Odorizzi was mm-hmm. gone. Um, but yeah, the twins, I feel like there's not going to be too much excitement out of them. Um, I, I feel like they kind of like in a season where everyone gold starred their way into the playoffs they still somehow managed to do it themselves. Um, and considering what a race to the top it was last year in the shortened season, I don't think the extended season is going to work in Minnesota's favor this year. And I know that, you know, everyone's favorite Picada projects them so high. Um, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to go very well. I like how you're mocking Picota and calling it Picotta. That's, that's a nice yep. play there. Um, yeah, it did seem like they sort of decided, okay, we're just going to let the market come to us. So we're going to, well, okay, yeah, sure, we'll sign Alex Colomay. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. by the way, I think Andrelton uh, Simmons is a, a terrific sign. But, okay, they got, uh, you know, I believe something was circulated where they have the two most likely guys to get hurt in a significant time in Simmons and, and Buxton. Um, so that's not exactly confidence inspiring. Uh, I still do yeah. think they probably have the edge on the White Sox, but it's going to be a great fight. I mean, the AL Central is going to be, I think, a tighter division. I don't think even the Royals, forgive me, and the Tigers are going to be the also Rans. I mean, even if that means they win three games against the Sox this year, that's better than what they were doing. Uh, I think they've stepped their game up a little bit and Cleveland, I don't think falls off the map either. So, uh, you know, in my eyes, I think it's a, it's a, a pretty decently bunched division. Uh, perhaps you think the White Sox are going to run away with it, but. So I don't think the White Sox are going to run away with it. Um, because Cleveland is really good at man at managing to build decent teams and then sell off the pieces. <laughs> right. um, I don't think they've gone full rebuild yet. No. Uh, but I also don't think they're going to be competing very high and the Royals are still going to be the also ran and, I can confidently say that based on the fact that they've mostly kept the band together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had, they added Andrew Benatendi, who I feel like is just being punished. <laughs> <laughs> he gets oh. to see those pretty fountains though. Oh, yay. The one nice thing in Kansas city, <laughs> pretty fountains. He can go to the Negro, uh, Negro baseball. That's museum. True. That's true. And the jazz museum. That's a nice two pack there uh, on 18th nice and Vine. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I saw on our sister site. Uh, I saw the headline from uh, what was it called? Royals Review. Royals Review. Whatever it is, yeah. Kansas City Royals site. Uh, the headline was uh, something to the effect of "It's year four of the rebuild. It's time to start winning." And I thought, geez, if it was just so easy, Royals, okay, then start winning. But 
I'm not, you sort of got to drag the rest of the, you got to drag the roster to that, but Hey, see, look, I can try, I can trash talk the Royals too. Yeah. So you're Um, on the same team. See, here's the thing though. When you keep most of the team together, add (laughs) two like middle of the road players and you continue to have baseball's C-list Batman villain as your manager, then no, you're going to be an also ran. You're not competing on the same level as Cleveland. You're not competing on the same level as the Twins. You're in the wrong central. You need to be in the other central. Then maybe you got a shot. You might beat the Reds. Right. And the Cardinals still did better than they did, and they played 55 games in 43 days and almost <laughs> killed the entire team with COVID. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a sprint. Yeah, they could like the Royals couldn't even gold star their way into the playoffs, where it felt like everybody was in. Yeah. Like, look. Yeah. All right. Let's flip to the National League again. Let's talk about another uh, popular team and uh, a team that a lot of people are picking as the second best, even though they're in the same division as the Los Angeles Dodgers. And that is the team that White Sox fans love to rationally and irrationally hate San Diego Padres. How do you see their season uh, wrangling out and, and how frustrating is it for them to have to look up, maybe even knocking on the door of 100 wins or 95 wins and realize, oh, wait, there's still a team in front of us. Um, I'm happy for the Padres. I am. Because they have such a fun young team to watch. And you love a good young team. You love players with personalities. Fernando Tatis Jr., he's fun to watch. And I'm not going to – like, bad trades are part of baseball. Of course, James Shields sucked. And Fernando Tatis Jr. turned out to be great. And San Diego won the trade. Okay. But I think all of the stuff last year with Slam Diego and with Mm -hmm. the Padres doing as well as they did, even with the truncated season and, you know, um, participation trophying into the playoffs as everybody was able to, except for like three games. Right. um, They are a fun team. They are a fun team to watch. I think the signing of you Darvish was kind of strange. Hmm. And bringing over Victor Caratini because... You know, he's Darvish's personal catcher, basically. Right. Um, I'm not wild about those offseason moves, but I think overall San Diego is going, isn't going is going to be another team that's fun to watch. I mean, you're curious yeah. about uh, you, Darvish, Brett Valentini's uh, predicted NL Cy Young Award winner, Colleen? Okay, well. I'm curious about the logic behind that. <laughs> the logic is get all the pitchers because one of them is going to be out all year, so let's get – Six others who can be in a rotation. Yeah. Them and the Dodgers seem to be following the same strategy. They both have like, it seems like seven starting pitchers. So, uh, uh, David Price is in the bullpen. Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you sort of, if you can't beat them, you got to try to join them and they're joining them by spending, being aggressive, having a ridiculously deep, uh, uh, organization. So you can like make all these, um, prospect trades and then it's still like, okay, the smoke clears and you're still like, whatever, the fifth best system in the, in baseball, right? Uh, if only, um, you know. So, you <laughs> yeah, know, I think that deep of, having that deep of a team is incredibly important, especially as we go back to having the longer season. Yeah, because I think you're, we're going to see a lot of injuries. I think we're going to see a lot more right. of the injuries than we did during the shorter season, um, where everybody had to ramp up and stop and ramp up again. And, I and, think just having the extension of the games, uh, yeah, that depth is going to be very important. And Colleen, we're. <sighs> 
we're humans and we're Americans. So now everybody's like, oh yeah, you know, let's go strip our shirts off and go to ball games and, 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 and go belly to belly with, we've already got now a COVID scare with, uh, what five nationals are going to miss uh, opening day because of yeah. uh, a, a test. And so, I mean, it's not in the rearview mirror. I mean, let's hope, no. you know, knock on wood that, that there isn't a, a Cardinal situation or a Marlins situation again, but it could very easily happen. It could be happening right now with the nationals. The season hasn't yep. started yet. Well, and I like that, you know, the NBA philosophy, let's have a bubble. The NCAA, let's have a bubble. The NFL, <laughs> let's have a bubble. Major League Baseball, what no. about Joe Harlan? <laughs> let's not do a bubble. Let's just kill off one of the teams. It'll be fine. There's too many of them anyway. What? Yeah. Let's not do that. Yeah. Yeah, they pulled off a bubble in Orlando. They pulled off a bubble in Florida, for God's sake. So apparently it's possible. I mean, it's no fun for, uh, I don't know, fans of the Milwaukee Brewers or the Chicago White Sox, but also your players are alive. Yeah. Seems like a, seems like a deal we can make, but. Didn't try and off a whole team, but you know, whatever. <sighs> um, okay. You know what? The Marlins still came back and did a great job last mm-hmm. year, even though Rob Manfred tried to have them off. So it worked out for them. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how like, you know, near death or fear or, um, st- uh, strip club embarrassment, um, can really bind a team together and make them really make all that playoff push that gets them into the the expanded uh, more than half the team's playoffs. Way to go, Marlins. Way to go, Cardinals. Every good sports movie shows that you need to have that one thing that rallies everybody together. Like in Major League, it was that they were going to sell the team. In Bull Durham, it's that, you know, they sucked. Yeah. So you, I guess you need that one thing to get everybody together, to get them all on the same page and excited to win. And I guess COVID was that thing. And you know those singles and fives—they burn a hole in in young players' pockets. And you got to put them somewhere. You got to do something with them. Yep. One plus one plus <laughs> one plus one equals strip club during a pandemic. All right. Uh, okay. I think we've addressed the Marlins. So let's move on to another team. Um, let's go. And, let's stick in the National League because why not? Let's talk about our favorite, favorite, favorite team. My favorite team, the Ivy Bumblers. Let's talk about how the Cubs are shaping up because Picota or Picada or uh, uh, you know Piccadilly. Picada. It's, it's like a food. Uh, said uh, they actually uh, were projecting them to have a better record than the White Sox, which uh, that alone would make you want to trash Pakoda. But listen, I understand. It's just like a projection. It's a, it's a numerical model, whatever. But that said, the division sucks. So obviously just by them being alive and being able to field um, 26 guys per game gives them a shot for the division. Uh, yet they're still talking sell-off. Uh, they can't come to terms with Anthony Rizzo, who is like a folk hero there because he like mains catchers and you know smiles or whatever uh it seems like a decent anthony dude rizzo you know so much I, I hate anthony rizzo so much and my mom loves him he is her Ooh. my mom's a cub my mom is a cubs fan he is her favorite player so last year before the world you know stopped sure um my birthday was the week that they were playing the mets so i got tickets for that whole week and one of the days we were like right on the first baseline and i told her that she could cheer for him, but he was going to be able to hear me call him a fat ass. So it's a fair trade. I mean, to be honest, I've just yeah. quickly sized it up, and that's a fair trade. Yeah, um, I don't believe his like, oh shucks, guys, golly gee, good personality stuff when he's sliding dirty, running over catchers, doing all that stuff. Like, come on. Um, I think he is probably going to stay with the Cubs. Just because if he doesn't, I think fans will set the stadium on fire. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, and you wonder too if uh, you know people are saying, well, you know, this is, this is sort of lowball offer and whatnot. But yeah. I don't know that there's a lot of better offers out there for Anthony Rizzo at the uh, wrong side of thirty. And I mean, the charm, the right. folksy charm he has on the north side, because they're let's face it, no offense to your mother, no offense to to Mrs. Colleen uh, Sullivan's mom, but <laughs> uh, come on, they're dupes. I mean, no offense. Come on, they're clowns. You know. She Okay. Oh, as long as she knows. Hey, listen, accepting that's a very important stage being a Cubs fan. Uh, I mean, no, not, I mean, how's he going to, you know, how's he going to snow like the San Diego Padres and they're giving them, you know, more money than whatever, 15 million, 13 million. Uh, so yeah, sorry, uh, this team, you're just going to laugh off because you think what, if if nothing else, maybe midway through the season, they're, they're selling off. So even if they are making a run, a run at, you know, say they're 500 to they're making a run a division, the, the, the brass is still going to be like, okay, uh, Chris Bryant, you know, et cetera. You know what? Chris Bryant's like, I, I don't, prefer him I think and I don't you know it's because he's on the Cubs and like ugh. um Chris Bryant for as much as he loves those fans and how much he's loved playing for the Cubs I really think should throw up two middle fingers and go to like Cincinnati or something for how those fans just shit on him so badly like even in his worst seasons where he was playing hurt yeah. He's still putting up good numbers and he's yeah. still an all-star. Like I th- I did a whole like cuz I was trying to figure it out. I'm like, why do Cubs fans hate Chris Bryant so much? And last year I did like a whole Twitter thread of like, well this these were his stats since he was a rookie and, you mm-hmm. know, on and on and on and on. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like you know what? Y'all don't deserve him. Mm-mm. Like if just go. Like if he you know, pieces out to the Dodgers or San Diego or the Yankees or somewhere else where he's going to get more money and not treated like crap. Good for him. Yeah. Colleen, uh, uh, he looked real good in left field on the South side. I'll say that much. And what's <laughs> the deal with people out there? What's I the, the dog out there. what's it? Well, okay. What's the deal with, and then, you know, the, the, the comparisons made, I think they also both had down seasons at the same time. Javi Baez. It's like, he's like the cutest, cuddliest, most favorite guy. And he sneezes and they're like, Oh my God, what a throw he made as he sneezed. Uh, and then Chris Bryant's like, watch lurch. Or well, whatever. What I mean. What's the deal? And that's what I don't understand. Like Chris Bryant makes good plays and he still makes the simple plays and he makes clean plays and he's just a regular regular player playing the game doing well Javi Baez I think I think in Major League Baseball's rush to attempt to show diversity and how much they enjoy players personalities sometimes they pick the shittiest personalities and they pick the Javi Baez's who take simple plays and make them look hard like, you need to watch the tag as you're tagging somebody at second, because guess what? When you're playing the socks, somebody's going to slide under that tag, and you don't have the out that you right. think you have. Right. And you don't need to, like, field a grounder and jump in the air and throw it and overthrow it from <laughs> Anthony Rizzo, who is seven feet tall. It's, <laughs> you know, it's like, I think... And and fans have been rushing for Major League Baseball, like support players who have fun personalities, let the players have personalities. Uh, and I think 
you know, the problem here is like, well, what happens if we don't like his personality? But the no look tag is so cool. Colleen. No, it's not. It's so, so cool. Stupid. It is so stupid. You look like an idiot. Stop it. <laughs> Stop doing it. You are a professional baseball player. You look like a jackass. Stop doing it. So we can break it down as you will accept a trade uh, that involves Chris Bryant. And if it's Javi Baez, you might have to be a little bit more of a Mets fan for the rest of the year. Um, if it's Javi Baez, there is going to be somebody in left field. I can't promise it is not somebody buried under left field. <laughs> Ooh, that's intriguing. Let's just leave it at that because that could be a lot of different names. It's not necessarily uh-huh. Baez. That could be a lot of different names. All right, we're winding up here, Colleen, and we, of course, haven't got to all teams. Is there a team that we do need to address that we haven't? There could be an obvious one I just missed or somebody you're really itching uh, to praise or um, pile on. You know, I got to say respect to the Rangers because they're doing a rebuild. Um, they are. And they, they're openly admitting that they're doing a rebuild. So, you know, good on them. I want the Angels to be better because, like, you have Shohei Otani and you have Mike yeah. Trout and you have Anthony Rend. Like, just can you yeah. be better? Like, don't don't come in behind he- the Mariners. Yeah. The Mariners don't have anybody. Yeah. Like, you need to be better than the Mariners. They're going to be one of those weird teams like the Cubs where you look back and it's like there's like eight Hall of Famers in the lineup of, like, that late 60s Cubs team that blew it because of the yeah. Black Cat or whatever. Uh, and, you know, they're going to have, like – 12 Hall of Famers on that team, they'll be like, well, wait, did they ever even win a playoff game? Everybody's going to be like, wow, that's crazy that they had that many great guys. Albert Pujols was on, do you remember Albert Pujols was on that team? I mean, some kind of crazy, I mean, they got, they got to try hard to break that because every year they seem to be bringing in a major player. And I know that's not enough, but geez, you just think it would fall their way at some point. Like with how stacked the team is this year, I'm like, can you at least finish above Seattle? You know, and like teams like Seattle and Colorado, oh God, Colorado, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh god bless the rockies they're trying <laughs> well i'm i'm going to pull it back to the rangers for a second and note that it's appropriate and listen i can trash them because you know i went to school and and they were in my backyard but it's appropriate that they're starting the rebuild as their new stadium sort of looks like one of them aluminum sheds that are so that that populate the uh, texas landscape it basically is like is it like a a, a super home depot or is it a ballpark it's Inter- looks like the thing they put on top of Soldier Field when they're like, we're adding more seats. <laughs> yeah, right. Or uh, or phase one of uh, uh, New Comiskey when it really was a UFO until they blew that weird UFO aspect off and said, oh, yeah, that's right. It's supposed to look like a ballpark, not like yep. Soldier Field uh, renovation. So, yeah. Oh, I'm so like, and I understand why the Rangers had to get a new stadium. I mean, it is. Uh, like the hottest game I've ever been to in my life was in Arlington. It was 107 degrees at eight o'clock at night. That is exactly what I was going to say. I went down there with my dad when I, when I first got to to school and uh, yeah, old uh, Arlington stadium, minor league stadium, it's like eight, nine o'clock. And we're looking at the scoreboard and it's triple digits. And we're like, yep. What is, are you kidding me? Yeah. And we almost saw um, Adrian Beltre's 3000th hit. But he did, he hit, we went on a Saturday, he hit it on Sunday. I was like, oh, we were so close. Yeah. Um, and that state, like, that Globe Life Park was gorgeous. Um, and it's a real shame that when they built that stadium, that there wasn't a roof on it because I think it would still be here today. Like, yeah. that stadium was absolutely gorgeous. You'd think, but of course, it's a whole nother podcast to discuss the uh, futility of stadiums built just to be torn down because, oh, I don't know, 
we forgot air conditioning or we yeah. thought we could grow grass in a dome or, you know, whatever. But, uh, or yeah, our state, Toronto. White Sox are, yeah, right. Yeah. Our state isn't giving us more money to build a whole new stadium. You know, there's a, there's a lot of different plot lines, including ones that indict our very own beloved team, Colleen. But again, entirely separate podcast. Uh, so I guess as we roll the credits here, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. And of course, the promise of endless somewhere between 600 and 700 know your enemy articles over the course of the season. Uh, God bless you for signing on for that. Uh, <laughs> folks, you're going to be able to read her stuff. Oh yeah. There's, she just can't avoid the site because every three, four days, she's going to have to put something on there because we got a new series coming up and, and she's going to be one penny that, that site traffic is going to go down. Oh, oh no. <laughs> you're going to lose. You're, no. <laughs> Readers, listeners, viewers, you're going to want to tune in to all the Know Your Enemies she writes because, yes, there are going to be insults. And for the insult comedy alone, I think you're going to need to read these. Plus, hey, there's pitching matchups. you got to know who's pitching, right? So come on. So forget it. Traffic's going up. Traffic is going up. Anyway, these articles are already out on site. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll be talking again because there's no doubt we're going to check back in on the Mets. We're going to ch- have to check in on the latest Javi Baez um, no-look tag and uh, the whereabouts of uh, Chris Bryant and Aloy Jimenez and, uh, you know, whether one could play the position of the other. I don't know. So, Well, I do like the White Sox philosophy right now of eh, anyone can play left field. Like, I don't think that that's true. I, th- I think, like, in Little League, the – the philosophy is anybody can play right field. Yeah. Not because yeah, nobody hits the ball to right field. So yeah, put yeah. the kid who's going to roll it back into the infield or in the sexist little league of my day, let's say put the girl, the one girl on the team gets to play right field because, well, we got to play her. Right. Oh man. Yep. Progressive. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's, um, but then if Andrew Vaughn pulls it off, oh boy, that's, that's going to cut some arbitration uh, cases for all left fielders in the future. Because if they try to make any point of like, Hey man, I play left field. The judge is going to be like, what are you, are you kidding me? Yeah. It's not like, you know, when both catchers are hurt and they have to make somebody the catcher, like it's little league. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's a, again, it's a whole nother podcast to discuss how a yep. team that aspires to the pennant is running at a guy who hasn't played there, if he even did play there in the league, because we know he did not play there in college. I'm guessing he probably did not play there in high school. The wisdom of, you know, and and when people push back and tell me, well, there's been two injuries, I say, man, I mean, you need to have a minor bus accident for that to be a legitimate reason. And it's got to be more than two things. But we don't still know. I don't know. Maybe <sighs> I'm out of touch, but we don't even know if Adam Engel is going to be out for long. So this may really be like a token. He's going to be out that long. That's a whole other podcast, too. I don't think he's going to be out for very long. Adam Engel is like ridiculously healthy and ridiculously in shape. Like mm-hmm. he will be back bouncing around the outfield soon. That's what was so strange about it. It seemed like nothing happened and he got hurt. And it's like, wait, that's not Adam Engel. That's maybe other guys we know in the major leagues. But how does Adam Engel, who's a truck, uh, going to like do a twist because he threw the ball and suddenly now he's limping off the field? That was weird. But who knows? Maybe he just didn't want to play in Anaheim. Maybe he's got something about that weird um, waterfall thing, the rocks or whatever. And he's like, yeah, no I didn't do it. So he'll be back for, uh, back for Seattle. He can feast on some Seattle pitch and that wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, um, because they definitely don't have anything in Seattle. Um, Somehow we managed to touch on almost all 30 teams, I think. Wait, let me see. Who have we missed? Who can I also make fun of? Oh, the Nationals. Oh, the Nationals. Yeah, yeah. Coronavirus, yeah. So sad. Bless their hearts. 
they did not their 2020 mm, um and they're on the old side so 2021 may be their last chance to do pretty well before they do have to rebuild and thanks for adam eaton guys really Mm. (laughs) yeah really that's the gift that they eventually sent back (laughs) is he like the fruitcake of baseball like people just keep trading him around wait hold on did i just see you did I just see you make a face, Colleen, at the, the well, I would say the primary offensive addition in the offseason by the White Sox, but really, now that Jonathan LaCroix is gone, the only one. I, I guess I'm making a face, too. Yeah, all right, well, what, here's the good news. We're going to get to now talk about Adam Eaton playing poorly or somehow playing well now. We don't have to just grumble at the fact that the fruitcake got sent back to us years later, even less edible than it was in the first place. It's going to play well. Look, if you have a monkey paw over there, use it to, you know, make some guys healthy, not make Adam Eaton good. Yeah. Okay. Use your monkey paw for good. Yeah. Yeah. Get them out, pay the option and move them out. But hey, we're going to see this season as well. Of course, as we're talking now, season's already underway. And I think Adam Eaton, I think opening day, he had three hits. So, I mean, listen, I'm, you know, what can I say? It was an onslaught and, you know, 21 hits, Adam Eaton's going to get a couple of them. So, uh, great game, guys, uh, opening day, and let's just uh, keep it up through that really rough um, eight straight games and uh, opening on the road. And, uh, you know, let's come back home and win some games uh, in front of the uh, home select uh, crowd as well. But thanks, Colleen, for uh, joining me here. Let's talk again real soon about how, I guess, how the season's going. Yep. All right. See you later. <laughs>